rush into Chemist Warehouse for the Christmas fragrance sale. Get big brand fragrances at the lowest prices. This is the House of Aths. It most certainly is, wherever you might be, right around Australia and the SEN Radio Network. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. If you've never heard this show before with John Stephenson and myself, Cam Luke, it is pretty much banter about the great world of athletics, of which you are always invited to get involved in. 04-3398-1116. Johnny, Steph, Jay, Blaze, whatever nickname you got for yourself. What up, big boy? Hey, what's going on, brother? Uh... I like how you say, you know, around Australia. I think we're worldwide now, Cameron. I think True. after World Championships, I You're think right. our, you know, our voices are, uh, are being heard. Yeah. You know, the, everything, we, we raise a lot of good topics, Cameron. A bloody you know, and, I, and, and the world listens. True. The world does listen. How, how about this then? How about this? Hold that for a split second. I'm not going to restart the show, but I'm going to hit this again. Rush into Chemist Warehouse for the Christmas fragrance sale. Get big brand fragrances at the lowest prices. Johnny Stephenson, Cam Luke, this is the House of Ass all around Australia and in Budapest and in Paris and down there in beautiful Brazil or in the US of A, right across the world. This is the House of Ass. Better? Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> now it's taking me to my next train of thought. Hit me. You know, we're talking about Chemist Warehouse out. You know, the, really, it's, it's it's the epicenter of fragrances. You want good no fragrances at a very great price. You go yep. to Chemist Warehouse. Agreed. House of Athletics surely should have its own smell. You reckon? You know, the smell of excellence. It's just of excellence and truth. You know what I mean? Like when you put it on, you start smelling <laughs> like you're about to win and you start speaking the truth. <laughs> I think this fragrance would be go gangbusters. You, you, That's my feeling. You think if Chemist Warehouse had a, uh, a men's and women's range of fragrances with our heads on them, they'd go off the, absolutely off the shelves like no man's business? I, I think it'd be a great, you know, they've got the great ambassadors of Athletics Australia now. Mm-hmm. They've got, you know, 10 and 10. I think they've got 10 ambassadors Stars. now. And I reckon you bring out a fragrance and, you know, you put, you know, different athletes' faces on them and, you know, and you have this, you know, it's a it's like the hardworking yeah. fragrance that you use before training. To, it's like a cross between deodorant and odor toilet, Cameron. <laughs> and it just smells of excellence and truth. You now, know what I mean? Because uh, athletics is the truth in uh, this country. I'll you tell know? you what. A- it is. It is. It is. I'll, I'll tell you this. I will tell you this. Uh, this uh, I actually really like this idea. But if, if someone was to say to me, this is the second dumbest thing I've heard this week, right? <laughs> it, it is absolutely miles behind what World Athletics dished up at their uh, end of year oh, celebrations a couple of days You're going there this early. Go, of course I, know we I had am. A little bit of, wow. Go on. Well, have what, a crack. What, I'm sure... Well, you know what? So World Athletics, to paraphrase, World Athletics, they used to have a male and female uh, athlete of the year, right? That's how it's Which always great been. you're saying Bolt won yep. six times, mind yeah, you. Yeah, probably, uh, probably unders, to be fair. <laughs> he probably got robbed yeah. a couple of times. <laughs> so but he, so they have a male and female. Now, now last well, last week, and they announced it, they had a track, they had a field, and they had out-of-stadium awards for both male and female, Ooh. right? So they, and, and World Athletics pushed it. I'm paraphrasing where they said, we have so many great performances, we want to we recognize so many great performances, Ooh. all right? So whilst I don't necessarily agree with that, right, I understand what they were trying to do. What I am absolutely really upset about, and the athletes are really, really upset about, is the fact that none of them knew. Not, none of the athletes yeah. had any correspondence or communication. This is the changing of it. And it's something after a long year, you want to relax. You like it on the CV. Noah Lyles, Noah Lyles has actually said, and I quote, give me a few weeks and I'll comment again. He's taken a few, like this is, 
it took so much away from it. Had they have changed the awards and let the athletes know, okay. But it's the rock up on the night and say, you won't believe it. We're rolling out 15 names and you're all winners. Come on, man. I, that is that is a real miss, I think, Johnny Steph. Uh, you know, I have to agree with you. I, I, I actually, uh, I sent, I saw um, the press conference Noah did directly after the awards. I didn't know what all the hype was. I didn't know what the, I just saw a headline yep. saying that Noah Lyles wasn't happy about the awards. I I was still under the understanding that, that you know, there was a male and female athlete of the year. Um, and but I kept seeing on the world athletics, I kept seeing world track athlete Noel Lyles and an EPO, yeah. and I was a bit confused. Like I think all of us were, Cam. Um, then to see Noah's comments, no, he, I have to give it to him. If there's any positive that came out of it, if if young kids are watching um, what you do when you're extremely pissed off yeah. about a situation, go watch the interview Noel Lyles did post him receiving this award because you could tell he was extremely deflated. Yeah. He could tell that he's worked his whole life. Um, he made a comment that he was quite upset the year before because he felt he should have won the male athlete of the year award yep. the year before. I think everyone sees, you know, when you see Usain Bolt win six of these awards, it's, it's really, it's like the Brownlow athletics worldwide, right? It's, it's, it's everyone classing mm-hmm. you as the greatest athlete, male or female in the whole of the sport of athletics, which is a huge, huge honor. Monsters. I feel Noah feels like it's been discounted. Yeah. Where he's only the greatest mm-hmm. track athlete. Yeah. You know, and it's almost a bit like, okay, we can't make a decision. So let's give everybody an award because it was br- there was brilliant performances. Yeah. And we talked about this, you know, pretty much for the last three months leading up to world championships across the board from male and female. In, in the world of athletics. And I'm saying the world, and I'm saying I'm talking both in stadium, out stadium, I'm talking both field, track. Um, there was just these mind-blowing performances. Um, so I, I don't know why World Athletics did not consult and at least put out a press conference or at least put out a media release saying, hey, um, there's going to be a difference in the awards this year. Um, I think that would have softened the blow. I think I think they knew it wasn't going to be well-received, but they also felt they had to make a change. Um I want to investigate a bit more, Cam, before I have a solid opinion on why and how. I do understand about recognising track, field, in-stadium, out-stadium, male, female, para-able. I understand. But I still think it would be nice to crown the overall champ, both female and male, in athletics. And that's my opinion. But I'm definitely going to investigate this a bit more. I want to speak to my buddies at World Athletics, see what their sort of head was around, not not people, people not uh, knowing beforehand, but I'd like to still see an overall winner, Cam, if you're telling me, mate. And that, that is the big thing for me, the fact they're all caught off guard. So you essentially have a situation where Noah Lyles is the man who we're talking about. He's the one who is disappointed. I literally do not believe, had they have had a month to digest this or an idea, whilst they may not have agreed with it, they would have been able to comment on it and probably bask a little bit in the glory. I, I think... Just changing the awards and the shock and the confusion and and the chaos that reigned took away from these wonderful athletes, absolutely all wonderful athletes. The idea of the format is to be able to allow to to celebrate track, field, and out of stadium. No dramas. I'm not huge for it, but I absolutely understand why they did it. But the fact is, they just drop it on the night and the athletes had no, like none, no idea, zero. Yeah. And uh, let me just quote this. This, this is, Go on. this is what the chat. This, this is it. This is what World Athletics said. And I quote this: 
the depth of talent and outstanding performances in our sport this year more than justify the expansion of the World Athletics Awards to recognise the accomplishments by these six athletes across a range of disciplines. This is your man, Lord Sebastian Coe. Our World Athletes of the Year alone have achieved seven world <laughs> records between them in 2023, as well as a host of world titles and major wins. So it is only fitting that they be recognised as the Athletes of the Year in their respective fields. Now, yeah, Cam, let me, let me stop you. Hit let me, me stop you. Hit oh, me. And, I, and, I get that, and I get that. Mm-hmm. And we, I think you and I both get that. Agreed. I think, I think anybody that's listening or anybody that saw, no, no, saw what happened would agree with us, yeah? Mm-hmm. But I think what you're saying, and and, I, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, it just tastes like a bit of a cop-out it, 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 because it's because it's such a hard decision to make. And I would not want yeah. to be put in World Athletics position because no. we both agree. Mm-hmm. When you saw the list that went out for Female Incredible. Athlete of the Year, yeah. it's no way in the world I can tell you who I would pick. Agreed. I'm sorry. There's no way in the world I would pick an overall champ out of that list. I, I it would have been this too difficult. But I, it, I just, I agree with you. I just think it's, it's just a little bit of a cop out, and I think they knew that by not releasing it before the awards. Um, and 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 I think that's pretty much, I reckon, the reason behind why they did because it would have, it would have tainted the awards. I reckon if they came out with this and said we're doing this, guys, I reckon that you would have seen, um, the the media. Uh, backlash you would have seen would have been exactly what they're experiencing now. So, just, so I, reckon just, it's a, I reckon it's a lesser of the two evils for my, I, I just think that they'll rather deal with it post than yeah. deal with it pre. But, but that, I feel that takes away from the athletes because then they're, they're, they're answering questions more based on the new format than actually their great year. Just quickly, no, we've, got, we've got to put this out as well. So Lyles was the male track athlete of the year. The female yes. was Keith, uh, uh, Faith, Faith. Uh, Kip Yagen, of course, yep. who, was, who was brilliant. Uh, when we go off track, the planters and Rojas were the. Yeah, she uh, deserved it. Yeah, she ab- definitely deserved absolutely. it. Absolutely. Wow. And, and Rojas, absolutely. And then Kipton and Asifa off out stadium, which is more the walks and the, and the marathon, of course, the, the events are not held uh, continually yeah, in stadium. So I, I think, no, I, no one's I think arguing the, I think, that. I think the Kipton one was, was one which was a bit surprising, but I think definitely deserved it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah. Uh, but look, again, Cam, I, 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 I think you saw you saw the reservation. I'll say this again: No allows if there is a young kid wanting to see how to handle disappointment mm-hmm. um, straight after the fact in a media interview. Uh, I think he did very, and, and the World Athletics actually have to actually have, should actually thank him because yeah, he could have been a, he could have been a complete brat yeah, and, after that, uh, look, and he could have really he could have really shared his emotion and what he felt because he obviously was very disappointed. And the thing is, right, essentially what we are saying right now is that these awards can absolutely one hundred percent exist. All those awards, those six categories that we just named, and the and the people who absolutely mm-hmm. deservedly won them. There's no dramas with that. But why can't you have then still the male and female athlete yeah. of the year? Like it is made up of those. So the three men are in the final of, of, of the athlete of the year, the male and the three yeah. women that you know who the nominees are because they've won their track field or out of stadium respective awards. That's it. And away we, I, I just, it. and I just, felt, I just really felt it was just disappointing. Yeah. I, I really, I actually really felt, I, I haven't heard, uh, seen a great deal outside of Noah Lyles, right? And Noah is probably mm. the highest profile of them from a, uh, you know, 100 metre, 200 metre champion. And they're the ones that traditionally, and the fact that he was disappointed 12 months earlier, he's the one we focus on wrongly or rightly. But yeah. uh, I understand why but, that but, was. But hang on, uh, but hang on a second. But Duplantis has won it before. So that's true. I mean, for him, for him, I mean, 
whether you win it three times, two times, once you win it once, yeah. you, you know, that, that monkey's off the back, right? Yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'd love to chat to my uh, to my close friend at World mm -hmm. Athletics. And, and I mean, he really spearheads all the media and he's head of me. And I'd love to get his head, like I said before, we make final judgment. Mm -hmm. But this, I mean, from what I saw and from what you saw, and I, and I guess what we saw from Noah and just the overall reaction from athletic community, I think there was a bit of shock. And, um, but, you know, take away all of that, um, I think that the winners outright in their track field, yeah. out of stadium, in stadium, I think were the right ones. Um, and I think, you know, you, you know, know, deservedly, deservedly every one of those athletes could have won at male or female athlete of the year. And, you know, if I was them, I'd be walking away going, you know what, you know, whether I got the award or not, you know, the, in my heart of hearts, you know, they could have given a dual mm. award to all those athletes to have male or female athlete of the year, to be honest with you, because they're all, they're all spectacular performances, to be honest with you, Cam. Uh, true. A lot of what we do, though, Johnny, I think, again, athletics has been hurt a little bit overall, because a lot of what we do is discuss certain things. It, it may be yeah, an athlete going into a, into a major championship, an athlete out of form, in form. The banter might be looking at historic before. So there's a million different ways in which – we can discuss it. Uh, in sport, you know, Brownlow Medal, Daily M, if you're looking at the, the Australian Football Awards, there is so much discussion that comes on the back of said awards, right? Now, on the back of this, the entire athletics community, either athletes at the highest level or people like you and I who do these type of shows right across the world, are discussing a little bit of a negative around the fact that they had no idea and it was a little chaotic. Rather... You know what would actually make the athletics world a little more interesting right now? Discussing and pushing pros and cons for an athlete who was named male or female athlete of the year. We, we could be having, yeah. had they have still held on to it, and, and now we would be discussing a positive. And I know you could be arguing for someone, and I could be arguing for the other point. We're having good banter, and that's what sport is driven by in a media sense, except now we're sitting here disappointed and a little bit surprised that it was handled this way. Mm. Yeah, but don't forget, Cam. I mean, mm. I always work on the back of any news is good news, negative and positive, mate. And, you know, oh. we are talking about it regardless. Yeah. Mm. Maybe if Noah Lyles did win, it would true. be just a, it'd be a flash in a pan news comment. We'd be like, oh, Noah Lyles. Anyway, moving on, you know, you know, summer season. Um, don't forget, you know, we're not the only sport that has these, you know, these, uh, how can you call it, um, you know, topics of debate that are contemptuous. Yeah. Um, you know, Formula One, we saw when they decided, you know, 2021, with Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, when they decided to change the rules, to this day still blows my mind um, in the final race in Abu Dhabi. And, you know, it was their best viewing season mm -hmm. that they've ever had um, and brought more eyeballs to the sport. So I don't think this is one of those decisions. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think I, I'm, we, I think we are very aligned. I would like to do a bit more investigation on why and how and how they came up to this decision. Um, I don't think it hurts the sport, but what I think it does do, I think uh, it just, you know, these athletes a lot of the times don't get paid, you know, respectively for what their results are. Mm -hmm. So if we a lot of your field athletes, you know, not so much Noah Lyles and your sprinters and your blue ribbon distance runners. Um, but, you know, this event can really change this event of winning athlete of the year can really change your life in a sense. A lot of them haven't written in their bonus contracts um, with their shoe companies or sponsors that if they become athlete of the year, they get a bonus. So for a lot of them, that is part of their goals throughout the year to be able to win this world athlete. It boosts their ability to win marketability. It boosts their ability for sponsorship and commercialism. So I think, I think, you know, again, I'd love to, you know, do a bit more, um, you know, ask a few more questions for those that are in the know and, and see how they come up with this, this decision. All right. Quick break. Other side of it, I want to talk more Noah Lyles, but something he said caught me off guard, but I like it. That's next. All uh, thanks to Kim. I know you better say.
rush into Chemist Warehouse for the Christmas fragrance sale. Get big brand fragrances at the lowest prices. This is the House of Aths. Most certainly is all thanks to Chemist Warehouse right around the SCN radio network and right around the world via our podcast. You can jump on scn.com.au. We just talk athletics. Stu McSwain joined me earlier. In fact, late last week it was. We went one-on-one, head-to-head, so we'll hear a little more of that shortly. But uh, Jay Blaze. Yes, mate. Noah Lyles. Have you seen these comments? And I like it. I know. I I did see him. I I don't even know. I'm a bit of a – I'm telepathic. I know what you're about to say. And if it has anything to do with a 4 by 4 it's a yes, yes, yes from me. I quote, I've never had somebody tell me something that has thrown my out-of-the-box thinking to inside-the-box but that was like, okay, I'm not going to say no to that. Because after what I did at Budapest and seeing what my body can handle, if I train for it, okay, let's take a shot. It's the last race. There's nothing to lose. If I'm in shape for it, I've trained for it all year. Sure, let's have a crack. If they allow me, if they need me, and they are willing, let's go. Wow. Let's wow, I loved it. take it. So this is the question about the 4 by 400 meter relay, which... Go of on. course, he's a 100-200-meter world champion, 4x100-meter relay as well, which means it would be that famous, famous four gold medals that very few no. athletes are able to get. And look, if he wants to be in the stratosphere of Usain Bolt, and I marked him very harshly after mm-hmm. Budapest uh, when the comments came out, then they were aligning him to the great Usain Bolt. And I said he's not there yet and nowhere near that yet. Um, if he wants to be in that stratosphere, winning four gold medals, it have me eating humble pie, Cameron. And I would have to start talking about Noah Lyles as one of the greats alongside the great man, Usain Bolt and Carl Lewis. In my eyes, which I think are the two greatest sprinters that ever existed on this planet. What, what do you, so, what, what do you oh, make? I, like, like we, we, look, we know you run a, a relatively quick 400. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, what do yeah. you make of an athlete who doesn't specialize in the event you know, a high-profile athlete doing this. Yeah. I'm all for it. Don't, don't, yeah. do not get me wrong. Oh, I'm 100 all for no. it. But he, he's surprised because it sort of puts a little pressure on the the US governing body here. Mate, he, he'll be fantastic in the 400, and I'll explain for those um, please uh, for those that don't understand the 400, and for those that are new listeners that love sport. Um, Noel Lyles can run 19 point four or five in, in the 200 meters, which then gives him a deficit, you know, in the first 200 meters and the 400, you go through in 21.5. It gives him really 1.5 seconds of leeway to be able to play with in order to come back in 23 seconds. This guy can run 44 seconds in a 400 as long as his fitness is relatively good um, towards a championship. And if you're running 19 seconds in a 200 and you've done a little bit of base work, which I know Lance Browman, who trains out of Claremont, Florida, Florida, I know how they he trains his athletes. He trains them to be fit, not only fast. There's some sprinting coaches that train the athletes to be only fast, um, which they call it a little bit of the Charlie Francis method. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other athletes that sort of, a bit like John Smith, Clyde Hart, they train them sort of endurance back in the beginning of the year and they taper them into their speed as the year comes towards competition. So Noel Lowell's have absolutely no worries running 44 seconds split, which that's all he'd need to do in an American 4x4 team to win a gold medal. Um, and the speed that he carries, um, if he wins three gold medals, uh, there won't be a matter of if, it'll be a matter of what leg he's running yep. and and whether he runs the heats or he runs the final in order to get the gold medal. Because obviously if you run the heats, you're still part of the team and you get the gold medal for him to recognise his four gold medals. Johnny, 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 Johnny. Johnny, I know that's the rule. I know that's 100% the rule and it should be. I'm not arguing that. My point is, 
if he's actually trying to do this and you want, if he does it and you're like, you can include him a little bit in those conversations with Bolt and Lewis, he has to run the final. There's no way in the world. There's no way in the world. No way in the world. And and, and I agree. All I'm saying is we're talking about the record book saying four gold medals. That's the way you would do it, There's an asterisk on it, though, Johnny. If if that's how he gets his four gold, there'll be an asterisk. Now, I don't think they would do that, but there is no way in the world. If he wins three gold medals, there's no way in the world they'll leave him out of the four by four. I am telling you this yeah, right yeah, now. I, I know. My words. I, I and agree. The four by four is an easier gold medal for him than the four by one. Well, yeah, I, I agree. But I also think there's no chance in hell that us having run a heat so he has the four gold medals on his resume. No, I think, no, I think they'll let him run the final, of course. Yes, I think okay. they'll put him in third or they'll put him in third leg or they'll put him into in they'd have to put him in third leg because it's the easiest of the legs. And um and let him do his thing, or maybe even put him second leg and let him get out hard and hold on and let the last two runners. America has such depth in the four by four that they'll daylight will be second. Um, that's if no other nation, you know, gets their act together between now and, and the Olympic Games, which at Budapest I did not see. So I I, I think, you know, he, he, there might even be a chance of Noah running the mixed relay, right? Get him and- five goals. You know, but like this guy, it's just whether his nervous system can, and that's what he was saying, whether his nervous system can handle four races, which I think he can, by the time the four by four comes, it's a last event. I legitimately think he will be absolutely fine. There's about 0.7 gap in a relay from from a rolling leg from when you run a standing 400, which is, so that means if he can run 45.5, which if he's running 19 seconds, he can run 45.5 to 46.1 individual leg. Trust me. And you minus 0.7 of that, that's a 44 leg. And that's all he needs to do. So I think this is, he is training for this. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Based he on those comments. Based on those comments, 100%. And he, and he teased it and he teased it well. And he put no pressure on himself. He would have to run a 400. If you if he runs a 400 in April or in March, um, uh, then it's on. Because he'll run a 400 to prove to the selectors, mm-hmm. to prove to USATF that, hey, I can run a 400. I can make it 400 meters. And he will, his running gait, how he runs, how fluent he is, his IQ on the sport's very good. Um, the way he runs his 200, his closing speed, the way Lance trains him, the training partners he has. He has four by four training partners in his group. The great Van Nierkirk trained in his group. Um, mate, it, it's... Cancel Christmas. He's running the four by four. And if he nails the hardest race for him is going to be the hundred and the four by one. Yeah. That's these two. That's the two you needs to get his head around getting a gold medal. He nails those two. The other two I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it's a, it's a lock, man. Is it, is it, is it easy to lose sight of what you're really good at? Like the hundred meters. If you're trying to focus <laughs> on this. No, I think he'll take the same attitude he took into world championships, um, which is hundred meter first. I think his mindset has changed. He's not a tournament run anymore. He believes in himself. Um, he absolutely schooled him in Budapest. Um, and he he they allowed him to win. And he took it with both hands and he, and he closed the door. And that's what you're meant to do when you're mm. a champion. If you get an opening, close the door. And he did that. Um, he'll be going to Paris. Uh, and now they'll be thinking, if Noah is anywhere half a meter close to me, he's running me down. He is in sure. their heads. They, they're going to really have – they should never let him win world championships because now he's really hard mm. to beat in Paris. He stays healthy to Paris. He runs 100. Once he wins 100, the floodgates start to open. He wins the 200 pretty easily. And then the 4 by one becomes his next hardest race because you've got to rely on three other people. You've got to rely on the lane draw and you rely that there's Jamaica, 
um, Trinidad, Tobago, and the rest of the world, Great Britain, Italy, don't get their acts together and and end up taking them on the four by one because that's a bit tricky for them with changeovers and and making sure that there's other guys that are you know in the mix to to be able to win. Beautifully said. Quick break for Chemist Warehouse right around Australia. This is the House of Acts. Rush into Chemist Warehouse for the Christmas fragrance sale. Get big brand fragrances at the lowest prices. This is the House of Aths. Most certainly is. John Stephenson and Cam Luke, House of Aths, all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. A lot to get into. I'm going to officially tell Steph my top five pole vaulters that he won a little while ago. So I'm going to get to it very shortly. And, of course, anytime you have a question for John Stephenson, it's simple. 499 736 736. Now, we are almost into 2024. The Chemist Warehouse Summer of Ass right here in Australia is firing on up. We are talking so much about it. And one of the headline acts, as he always is, is our man, Stuart McSwain. No at all stranger to major championships as he has an eye on Paris, but he's also no stranger to this particular show. He joined us uh, about three months ago when he was in London, but now he's back in town and he came into the studio to have a chat to me last weekend on SEN. And this is what he had to say. I speak as Stewie McSwain, who has joined me in the studio. Stewie, hello to you. Nah, thanks a lot for having me on today. You're watching the NBA, mate. You're caught up in all the screens, aren't you? Yeah, it's an amazing setup. Um, pretty cool to actually come in and see. I've obviously listened to it over the years. I love listening to when you're on. And uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, pretty cool setup we got here. Just before, we'll get, we'll get deeper into how it's all looking for you after the news. But the, the topic today is about uh, greatest... Athlete, number one in sport this particular century. I, I had Usain Bolt, but there's an argument for like 30 other athletes. A lot of people off the text. You're in the track and field world. You, I assume at some point have come across Usain. Just give us a little bit of a background into Usain Bolt and not just him on track, but the whole experience. Yeah, I think obviously Usain's a great shout. Um, the way he was able to dominate for such a long period in the 100 and 200, which it could po- probably be the hardest events to be mm-hmm. dominant in, in, in the world of athletics. So... Um, yeah, he was amazing to be able to do it for so long. And he just had that different vibe that that this guy is, yeah, unbelievable. Anytime you'd a track mate with him, the crowd would stop when he was in the blocks. He was ready to go. In the meet hotel, the other athletes would be going up to him asking for autographs, pictures, whatever. He was just on a different le- level, kind of like a godlike level compared to even the, the other athletes on the world circuit. So um, for me, he'd be the top in athletics for sure. And um, yeah, I'm sure that holds up pretty well across other sports as well. You, you did tell me once, and I find this, we, we talk about transcending sport. I've used it a lot of times today, but this is what you need to do to be, I think, in this conversation. You told me this time about how you'd go to a, a meet and he would have to have the whole floor of the hotel blocked out just for him and his crew, which kind of gives a suggestion how how big he was, not just on the outside, but in the inside as well. Yeah, so sometimes it meets you'd walk, get the you'd skip the lift, go up the stairs, and you'd get past level three or wherever, um, and they'd have security there just blocking the whole way, <laughs> trying to stop other athletes from annoying Bolt. He'd have the whole corridor there just just for him. So I think that shows how good he was. Um, that yeah, he even to get a break from the other athletes in meet hotels, he kind of had to separate himself just because. Um, he was just such a big name in the sport um, and had a, such an amazing career that everyone wanted to, yeah, pester him for a photo or an autograph. Now, just quickly, you uh, just go one-on-one with Tanasi Kokonakis, did you? Of course, the Australian Open isn't far away. You, were you swinging a rack with one of our, our best tennis players, is that right? Yeah, so I was lucky enough to have a hit with him this morning. So um, it was pretty cool to see. It's crazy with other sports how good they are. Like, he was just chipping him in. I was trying to hit it as hard as I could, and, yeah, I was nowhere near. I couldn't, could barely even see his serve, so... 
Um, yeah, it's crazy how, how good those guys are. And obviously he's building up for a big summer in the Australian Open coming up. How do you enjoy being in the presence or at least being involved in conversations with other athletes, similar age to you, who go through similar things in, in an individual sport, have to deal with injuries and disappointment and the highs and, and lows? Do you glean from your conversations and get advice and, and swap stories that, that can help you and, and the person you're talking to? Yeah, I think you can learn a lot a lot from cross sports. I think any sportsman, you're going to have ups and downs, whatever goes on in your career. So to hear how other people deal with them, um, how they tackle their sports, both mentally and physically, I think you can pick up a lot of things as well. Um, even though, yeah, you're in completely different sports, a lot of the things are similar, whether that's training, commitment, whatever. So, yeah, it's good picking other sports' brain. I love watching other sports, trying to pick up little techniques and stuff as well. So I think you definitely can... Um, Get some improvement from, yeah, not only watching, but speaking to other guys in other sports. But Stuart McSwain is in studio, of course, Tokyo Olympian, world championship rep, superstar over the, well, that's actually what I might ask you. I was going to say 1,500 metres, which is traditionally where you have applied your main trade. But towards Paris, how how do you make a decision on a 1,500 metre compared to a 5,000 or both or one over the other? How, How does it work from you from this day towards the Paris Olympics? Yeah, I think I've kind of got to – I'll try and qualify for both, mm-hmm. um, the 1500, 5K. Unfortunately, at the Olympics, you can't do both events. You so. can't – so that the schedule means you can't do them. Otherwise, you'd be running heats on the same day. Oh. So unless you're um, a Usain Bolt-like athlete, mm-hmm. um, you're not able to do that. So I'll hopefully, yeah, try and qualify for both and then make a decision what I think my best chance of ultimately being in that final and trying to do really well in is. So when you when you talk about that and you're talking with your coach or your management and your, and your whole crew, is it – is it based on the event that you're running better in or the event that you believe you have more of a chance to meddle in? Because the 1500 is so incredibly deep right now. The 5,000, it's the Olympic Games. So it's, it's going to be jam-packed. But it feels the 1500 is at one level that we've almost never seen before. So is it a, I can meddle here or am I better suited to this particular event? Yeah, I think it's a combo. Obviously, you're going to take in the current form, how you've been racing in the lead up, especially the European races leading up as well, give you a good idea. Um, but also, it's yeah, it depends a lot on the what the competition is yeah. doing. Obviously, you want to be in the event you think you have the best chance to win a medal in. So, um, yeah, if I think I have a better chance in the 5K, I'll happily step up and hopefully do the 5K. Or if I think I'm the best in the 15, hopefully I can yeah, nail the 1500. Let's go back to Tokyo because it was a, a unique, weird time in the world due to COVID and the pandemic and restrictions and all the rest of it. And 12 months later, the, the Olympic Games, than what they were originally scheduled. Uh, no one in the, in the stands. Did it all take away from the Olympic experience for you? Uh, I think, uh, obviously, Olympics is amazing, but mm-hmm. you do want to have your family and friends there. Yeah. Um, obviously, the atmosphere would have been different. The stadium was amazing, so having crowd, um, a cr- massive crowd in there would have been a different atmosphere. Yeah. It would have made a different experience, but I think at the end of the day, you're, you're at Olympic Games, you're there to do a job. Um, so the the little factors like that, you're kind of so focused on just trying to do your job, get through the rounds, run well in the final, and then, yeah, take it from there. Talk about that final because you, you, you ran so particularly well. You, you took it on. You're, you're an athlete who who has a crack. It's 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 it, it's admirable the way you run at different times. And, and sometimes it, it looks like you, you're out of gas, but you got that sort of endurance from the 5,000 metres. You, you told me a wonderful story about one lap out compared to 100 metres later. Just just take us through that that final for you. Yeah, so obviously it's a weird experience. I'm you, you're on the start line. You with twelve other guys going. One of us is going to be Olympic champion. Three and a half minutes. So um, yeah, it was kind of nerve wracking experience. I, I felt amazing during the race until about four fifty to go. I kind of was in third coming into the bell um, and was kind of 
thinking, geez, am I half a chance here if I can have a good lap? But unfortunately, I got a little bit tired, 300 to go. And yeah, it was a long way home. And unfortunately, I only ended up seventh. But um, yeah, it took a lot of, lot of positives from as well. Yeah, as we've had many conversations about, it's not only seventh, it's seventh at the Olympic Games. And, and it was a remarkable run. And, and one that early in your career is is going to be the springboard to greater things. Do you think about, like, do you, do you think about the, like, for us, you know, overweight people who sit behind a microphone, we, and we we talk about the Olympic Games as a as a major motivating factor. Is it is it one that you think about that particular day and race that motivates you to continue to do what you do? Yeah, I think so. Especially in athletics, the Olympics is a pinnacle. Obviously, we only get it once every four years, um, three years with COVID, um, yep. which made it a bit shorter this time. But you're trying to peak for that one week over that four years. So there's massive buildup. I think compared to any other event, the Olympics, the buildup's just so much bigger. The interest from family, friends, media is just so much bigger. So um, you want to make sure that week you, you're there and you, you represent yourself as best as you can. Um, and also give give the effort that you feel um, that the people that support you um, and help you get there um, deserve as well. COVID stuffed you around, right? Like you you had some 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 struggles with with COVID or your, or your health after that particular year, right? How how... How are you feeling now? How, how do you feel? If you're a long-distance runner, you're, you're running a major amount of kilometres every week. COVID and, and illness and injury, how, how much does it stop the momentum for what you've got? Yeah, so obviously 2021, I felt like I everything just rolled so smoothly. I didn't really have any injuries or whatever. And then 2022, I unfortunately got sick at the start of the season. So um, at the, the elite level in running, if you're missing time early in the season, it's hard to turn it back and come back and compete with the top guys. Yeah. So. Um, I fortunately was able to turn it around, um, and have a solid result at the world champs that year. But I think the big focus this year is just staying healthy, putting the weeks of training together, um, that ultimately would give me a good chance to try and achieve what I want, want to try and achieve in Paris next year. How much of a conversation do you have on a ongoing basis? Like when we're talking about the, the Australian summer, which we'll touch on a bit more in depth in a moment, but yeah, you know, when, you, when you're planning from now until Paris, is it? Just you and your coach. Is there, is there other factors that, that play into it? Is it a do you have the calendar out and you're looking at Diamond League and places? You, it's logistically a little tougher to run. Like how much meticulous preparation goes into this? Because you're right, you've got to peak for three and a half minutes on one particular night in Paris to make so much of this worthwhile in the in the sense of an Olympic Games. How much prep and how often do you sit down and have to go through these type of things? Yeah, obviously you'll start the season with the plan, but that's adaptable depending on how the, how the season's going, whether you're injured, you yep. have injuries, sickness, whatever. But yeah, I'll sit down with my coach um, and manager, um, the the people at Athletics Australia as well, and kind of work out a plan um, and kind of go from there. Um, and then obviously we have a domestic plan, get through the domestic season. Hopefully you can get through in reasonable shape um, and kind of build from there. And then once you get to Europe, you've got to be ready to go because you're going to be racing on the European circuit, the guys that are going to be at the Olympics as well. So um, you got to try and, yeah, race well in those races, get, get some momentum, some confidence leading up towards Paris. A lot of people might not understand this uh, and realise this, to be fair, but so Diamond League, which is the, the major tour with athletics, is, is how you make your money, right? Like you got to run well, you got to earn your spot into Diamond League and then you run well and money's attached to, of course, your performance in particular races and then overall. How, how much does that change? Because you want to run well at Diamond League for financial reasons, but you don't want to peak too early or or too late based on it. it. It's it seems like a really tedious balancing act. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's hard just because the Diamond League circuit's the main main athletic circuit outside the majors. So, um, yeah, that's where the financials are, um, and that's where you want if you're a competitor, they're the races you want to be, and you want to get be racing the best guys. So it, sometimes it's hard to skip meets um, and kind of yeah work out if it's going to be beneficial for your prep or not. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Tokyo was a good 
good um, kind of blueprint for mm -hmm. how I led up. I felt like I got to the Olympics in good shape. So I think I'll be following a similar kind of plan leading up to towards Paris. Does that include going home? You quite famously continually are called the, the mayor of King Island. You have a horse that's named after you called Mick Swain that rolls around in Tasmania and has a fair bit of success, it must be said, in, in Tasmanian racing as well. Do you get to go home? King Island isn't exactly a, 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 a huge enough of population to have a thriving metropolis of, of, of athletes, of, of which you are the main one. Do you get home often? Yeah, so generally it's just over Christmas period. Um, I love getting back there. I kind of kickstart my year there. I love training around my family farm down there um, and just, yeah. It's kind of humbling and also kind of gives you that motivation when you're going back. I'm going to the school oval, training on the, the six-lane track there, running through the golf courses down there. Um, and it's just back to, yeah, kind of blue collar training where it all started. So, um, yeah, I like getting back there. It's an amazing place to train. And I kind of feel like I gain a lot of momentum and kind of motivation to think of all the people from King Island um, who had helped m my early career and yep. still help to this day um, and kind of feel like that sets me up to be motivated and ready to go for the next season. When you say run like the family farm, you just, you just roll out into the paddocks or did you have a designated little track that's trimmed at the family farm? How does that all work for you if you're just running around the paddocks? How, how, how big is your family farm? Yeah, so it's, I think it's about 1,500 acres. Okay. So it's relatively so you got big, some room. But generally when I'm home, it's during hay baling season. So the grass is actually in pretty good nick. There's okay. a few rolling hills. Um, we've got a couple of tough roads. So I think out of anywhere I train, it's probably the hardest place in the world I train. Um, just obviously the King Island weather, it's up and down. Yeah. It's on the ocean. So, um, yeah, it's a tough place to train, but a good place to train. And I think just running-wise, it's the cleanest area in, in Australia, I think, from my perspective. So I love getting back there and training. Yeah, when you – Again, it's 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 we're going back a long time, and I, I'm stressing more it's the population than anything else. But when you're a good runner at a young age, when did you find like like King Island is King Island, but you need to at some point find out that you are of uh, you know more than natural ability and and above a, a certain standard. Like when did you first realise that you're actually a really good runner? Because I assume there wasn't a great deal of competition in King Island. Yeah, so I think it was, I might have been 11 in grade five. I did the school cross country and I was just, yeah, playing as every kid, playing footy, tennis, whatever. Um, not playing well, but I was playing them. Um, and then my PE teacher actually ran, so he'd run a few marathons and he kind of, I did school cross country and uh, without doing any training or anything, absolutely um, dominated on the day. And he was like, hold so on. Hang on, did your, belt, your teacher ran, did you say? Or he just, nah, oh, so he was okay, just so, watching. Okay, and then he was, um, yeah, he's like, oh, you actually have a fair bit of ability here. I'm going to start coaching you and yeah. train you up. And then obviously I went and raced in Tassie and I think I came second in the state that year um, off not much training. And then it kind of, yeah, progressed from there over the years. But um, there's been a lot of hard work over those years to try and get to the, to the pointy end of the sport. Was it heartbreaking in, in, in well, to miss Rio in, in 2016 or was it yeah, silver linings as you just touched on? You, you sort of looked on the positive more so than the, the disappointment. Uh, it was probably as tough as it was. I think anyone's flat when you miss out on something yep. so close, but it was kind of surprising that I was able to get as close as I was. Um, I was working. I was only training once a day. I wasn't really trained as a full-time athlete. So I was like, there's a lot of room for improvement here. Yeah. So hopefully I can kind of, yeah, if I can stay stay in the sport, stay stay the cycle the next four years, hopefully I'm a good chance to make the, the following Olympics. He is a superstar. He's not only a nice bloke, he is a top-line superstar in the middle distance world. You, you know, is it 1,500? Is it 5,000? I don't think even he knows. Either which way, Stu McSwain live in the studio last week. Rush into Chemist Warehouse for the Christmas fragrance sale. Get big brand fragrances at the lowest prices. This is the House of Aths. Here's Drew McSwain. It all thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the House of Aths. Now, I, I was going to give you my pole vault uh, list here, Johnny Steph, but just got a text 
0433981116. And it refers to something you said earlier around Noah Lyles. You did, when we were talking the 4x4, said that the third leg is the easiest. So the question actually is, why is the third leg the easiest? Oh, I mean... Listen, when you're world-class at the top level, no leg really is the easiest. Um, but if you're in the 4x4, four four, the, the general theme is that the third leg essentially is easiest because, one, you don't have to change lanes. Two, you're not running the full 400 in your lane, so the first leg. And the fourth leg is pretty much the pressure leg because yep. you've got to close – you know, you've got to close it off and make sure that, and normally the best runners in the world are on the fourth leg. And if you're a sort of a weaker runner, you've got to hold them off. And if you're a stronger runner, you've got to mow them down because most of the times, most nations don't have four absolute killers in every leg. So normally the third leg is the only leg which, depending on where you're placed at the 200 meter mark, is where you're situated at the changeover zone. So if you're, if you're, lead runner goes through first at the 200 meter mark you start on the very inside of the track which means essentially you just got to run one real lap mm-hmm. right um with very little um sort of interference except for the changeover zone and normally the race is kind of kind of sort of sort of set by then yep. after the first two legs um which makes the changeover less you know, less aggressive. Now, if you're in a race where it's a heated battle, the third leg becomes extremely important to set up your fourth leg. But generally, the third leg is the easiest of the four legs. 2004 Athens, what leg did you run? First, mate, lead them off. And I told the boys, if you see me dying, you've got to die too. Otherwise, we've got a problem after the race. So I always like to run first, man, set the tone, lead the way, and uh, inspire the boys that, uh, that I'll die for. When you handed the baton over, who'd you hand it to? I handed it over to Mark Omrod. What what was going through your mind? You thought, you know what? I've done my job here. I uh, yeah. Well, I told the boys I had a Botswana out out on the third leg yeah. from me, and I said I'm going to get him. And if I get him, and you see me grinding the last fifty, and they knew how how I, I said then we're on. I said I'm dying. I just I just told them I'm dying today. So whatever you, all you need to understand is that I'm leaving it on the track. So. You better do the same. And it was a beautiful, it was a really beautiful thing, to be honest, you can like Mark, Patrick, and Clinton, they were like, it was, it was this closest, and I don't want to relate because it's it's not fair to the to the to our great veterans of our Australian war and, and around the world, but it was the closest I felt going into battle um with three brothers and knowing what it feels like when everyone's on the same page. It was bloody beautiful. So um and we and we were able to get something special. Where'd you run? Oh, did you did you didn't bring it home in 06 at Melbourne? Nah, I ran first again. again. They wanted me to run, they wanted me to run last, and I said no. I said put Clinton last because we won Athens silver and and um and let's not break what works and uh, I'll lead the way and give us a good lead hey. and and then we will hold on. So you know um, if you run again, first again, again, all this rhetoric that I was selfish yeah. and this and that, that in team at all. Stuff, no. but, um, again, I, my teammates knew and I knew and, and we got the gold easily and we should have broken the Australian record that night, to be honest here. So, uh, I was a bit disappointed. I thought we could have done it that night. So I, I, um, I remember you running, know, running first in, on, you know, six yeah, men, always, always men, ran, first, men, ran first for our bronze in Berlin. Yeah. It meant um, you could get just, to our last lap quicker. Mate, oh, mate, last lap. I was first, last. Yeah, I know. First, last. Talk about needing <laughs> resuscitation. Three times you needed it. Uh, we're going to get out of here. See you, Jay Blaze. See you, brother. <laughs>